0: book 1 chapter 14 of clara vaughn volume 1 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by ellen preckle clara vaughn volume 1 by rd blackmore book 1 chapter 14 when our things were nearly settled and i was sitting by myself with dirty hands and covered with dust there came a little timid tap at the door followed by a shuffling outside as if someone contemplated flight yet feared to fly opening the door i was surprised to find the child whom i expected a massive figure some six feet and a quarter high and i know not how many feet in width but wide enough to fill the entire passage he made a doubtful step in advance till his great open-hearted face hung sheepishly above my head have i the pleasure of seeing mr huxtable i asked Easome? he stammered blushing like a beetroot leastways miss i ought to say no pleasure um to the lakes o thee but a honour to i varmer Oxtable, they calls me round these ere parts and some on em varmer jan and beanie daw he call me varmer Brackblue Ardish, as tosses all the garnish and a dale he think of his pottery as it pleased please to given but maister may be is the regular thing leastways you know best miss dang if i can come to discourse with girt folks nohow no more nor a storm this was an aside but audible a long way off as they always are on the stage "'But I am a very small folk, Mr. Huxtable, "'compared at least with you.' "'I only the your parting, me's, "'but I don't go for the such big, "'knockety, sparling sort of chap. "'I didn't go for a to do nohow. how "'Reckon to our, me mother's fault, "'her were always drainin' of airicks.' "'This also was an aside. "'Come in,' I said. "'I'm very glad to see you, "'and so will my mother be.' "'No be now, be though dead, my dear,' "'he asked with the truest and finest smile I ever saw.' and i felt ashamed in front of the strong simplicity which took my conventional words for heart's truth them's the best words he continued as i've bared this many a day for i'll be danged if i ever a loy could come from such honour an eyes as your own. and thereupon he took my puny weak hand in his rough iron palm like an almond in the nutcrackers and examined it with pitying wonder wo wo some aunts be made for morking coos and some be made for the creme itself "'Now, there couldn't be such a pretty thing as this here "'unless it were to snow warum, "'But er baint no kind of cake for wrestling, "'and I be averted thee will have to wrestle a rare bout "'with the world, my dear, one down to other come on, "'but that be the way of em. "'Oh, I am not afraid, Mr. Huxtable.' "'He took some time to meditate upon this, "'and shook his head when he had finished. "'No, thee we be intervered. "'Yet we I'll warrant thee eh? "'Good air to live, if ye be in the spirit maid made.' but if ere a chap taste a black word on'y, and dick is the tame when a maid can't help her itself, then ony you call john oxtable that's all me dear and if so be it's a dead honour of the night and dee be as t'other to side of exymore he'll be by the side of de tunner no i could throw a war up. before i could thank him for his honest championship my mother entered the room and all his bashfulness lost for the moment in the pride of strength came over him again like an extinguisher although he did not tremble his nerves were too firm for that he stood fumbling with his hat and reddening and looking vaguely about at a loss where to put his eyes or anything else my mother quite worn out with her morning's walk surprised at her uncouth visitor and frightened perhaps of his bulk sank on our new-fangled sofa in a stupor of weakness then it was strange and fine to see the strong man's sense of her feeble state all his embarrassment vanished at once he saw there was something to do and a look of deep interest quickened his great blue eyes Poising his heavy frame with the lightness of a bird, he stepped to her side as if the floor had been holy, and, scarcely touching her, contrived to arrange the rude cushions and to lay her delicate head in an easy position, as a nurse composes a child. All the while his looks and manner expressed so much feeling and gentleness that he must have known what it was to lose a daughter or a mother. "'Poor dear lady,' he whispered to me. Her be used to so much more plum nor thicky, I reckon. Her zim's cruel waist and low lake.' hath her been long in that way yes she has been long weak and poorly but i fear that her health has been growing worse for the last few months i couldn't help crying a little and i couldn't help with seeing it dang thee john Luxtable for a doilish girt zinny now do any take on so mess do das a dear a boarder's been here awake and will be as pert as a gladdy There baint in all furrin parts no place like the like o this to make a body stand upright the braes comes off a hexy more as fresh as a young colt and come up from the day as sweet as the breath of a cool on the clover and he'll sit on your cheek and same as a dove on her nesty, and you will be so hardy the both on ye that you will call for tatties and hags and cream and inions afore ye be out to bed he's fay you will with this homely comfort he departed after a cheering glance at my mother before i proceed the homeric epithet break plough harness applied by the poet to mr huxtable needs some explanation it appears that the farmer in some convivial hour for at other times he detested wanting, had laid a wager that he and timothy badcock his farm labourer would plough half an acre of land we no beast to see in the field. now it happened that the paracon blacksmith had lately been at barnstaple and there had seen a man who'd heard of ploughing by steam so when the farmer's undertaking got noised abroad and magnified all exmoor assembled to witness the exploit wondering trembling and wrathful benches and tables were set in the higher barton a nice piece of mealy land just at the back of the house while and mrs huxtable plied the cider-barrel for the yeomen of the neighbourhood the farmer himself was not visible no plough or ploughing tackle of any description appeared and a rumour began to spread that the whole affair was a hoax and the contriver afraid to show himself but as people began to talk of sending for the constable, who, of course, was there all the time, and as cartwhips and knobsticks began to vibrate ominously, Mrs. Huxtable made a sign to Mr. Daw, who led off the grumbling throng to the further end of the field where an old cloth lay along against the hedge. While the tilting was moved aside, the bold sons of Exmoor shrunk back, expecting some horrible monster whose smoke was already puffing. All they saw was a one-horse plough with the farmer in full harness, sitting upon it and smoking his pipe, and Timothy Badcock patiently standing at the plough-tail. Amid a loud hurrah from his friends, Mr. Huxtable leaped to the fore and cast his pipe over the hedge, then settled the breast-band across the wrestling pads on his chest, and drew tight both the chain-traces. "'He work now, if he will,' cried stout Tim Badcock cheerily, and off sailed the good ship of Husbandly, cleaving a deep, bright furrow but when they reached the corner the farmer turned too sharply and snapped the offside trace the accident impressed the multitude with a deeper sense of his prowess than even the striking success which attended his primitive method of speeding the plough to return to my mother as spring came on and the beautiful country around us freshened and took green life from the balmy air i even ventured to hope that the good yeoman's words would be true He had become by this time a great friend of ours, doing his utmost that we might not feel the loss of our faithful Thomas Enwood. Poor Thomas had been very loath to depart, but I found as we got settled that my mother ceased to want him, and it would have been wrong as well as foolish to keep him any longer. He invested his savings in a public house at Gloucester, which he called the Vaughan Arms, and soon afterward married Jane Hyatt, the daughter of our head gamekeeper, or I ought to say, Mr. Vaughan's and maples remained with us still we lived as may be supposed in the most retired manner my time was chiefly occupied in attendance upon dear mother and in attempts to create for her some of those countless comforts whose value we know not until they are lost after breakfast my mother would read for an hour her favourite parts of scripture and vainly endeavour to lead me into the paths of peace her soul discarded more and more the travel-guard and wayfaring troubles of this lower existence as day by day it won a nearer view of the golden gate and the glories beyond with which i have seen her eyes suffused like the lucid heaven with a sunrise it has been said and i believe that there is nothing in all our material world so lovely as a fair woman looking on high for the angels she knows to be waiting for her even i though looking in an opposite direction and for an opposite being could not but admire that gentle meekness whose absence formed the main fault of my character not that i was hard-hearted or cross unless self-love deceives me but restless yearning and hatred were ever at work within me and these repel things of a milder nature as a bullet cries tush to the zephyr chapter fourteen